bienvenue pour un nouvel épisode What's Your Story Un projet podcast créé par The Podcast Factory Org avec le sponsor de Transforma Bruxelles Innovation Playground. L'interview va être en anglais. Je vais poser les questions en français. Et mon invité n'est autre que Federica Bressan. Bonjour Federica. Hello, bonjour. Hello everyone. Je suis très fier de la recevoir parce que c'est une passionnée de podcasts et elle fait briller mes yeux chaque fois que je regarde tout ce qu'elle fait. Et je crois qu'elle a le même sentiment avec moi. Alors on est deux passionnés ensemble et on va juste s'amuser aujourd'hui avec un podcast. Je vais garder avec ce podcast beaucoup de plaisir et beaucoup de partage, d'échanges, des émotions qui viennent tellement. Je suis heureux d'être avec toi, Federica. Merci pour ta confiance. Ah, merci à toi. I'm so happy to be here after the pandemic. We only met before then, so... On va expliquer aux gens qu'est-ce qui s'est passé. Donc, moi, je t'ai rencontré, tu étais en Belgique, tu vivais oui. en Belgique, et puis tu es parti en Italie. Avant, à l'Amérique. C'est juste. Oui, et puis, Covid a changé la vie de beaucoup de gens, oui. including me. So, first I came back to Europe and spent a little time in Brussels, actually, during the pandemic. But then, unfortunately, you know, I have to say the COVID did not impact me on my health or my loved ones, which is good. But it did change my life a lot because I changed du pays. I changed the travail, on peut dire. And uh, I changed my whereabouts. So I'm visiting now Brussels and, ooh, les émotions, les émotions. <laughs> Et de te revoir, Michel. C'était la même chose pour moi. Federica, on va commencer par te présenter. On va un peu dire qui tu es. Donc, tu as étudié la musique. Ça, je sais. C'est vrai, oui. My first love. Music, making music or history of music. Everything music. And so I studied musicology at university. But I was always interested in technology. To this day, I am very nerdy. And so I did a PhD in computer science after that. And I've always mixed these two things. So I've been a researcher at university for many years. That was a great journey, great luck to have that experience until COVID, in fact. So I did that for about 10 years. And during the last years of those 10, I started being interested in podcasting. That's how we met here in Brussels. I started my own podcast, Technoculture, in 2018. It's still running, a bit slower, but it definitely exists. I want to add new interviews. And I'm currently based in Italy, and that's what I do. I don't work much since COVID, but that's very great, because as you know, I had some time to write my first work of fiction. I wrote a book. I still do podcasting in English or Italian. Normally, I apologize to your audience for not being able to speak more French. I do understand, it's just... Alors, on va quand même raconter un peu. Moi, je roulais avec ma voiture, avec mon logo dans Bruxelles. Et un jour, oui. tu as vu la voiture tu et tu as bien? dit, oui, hey, je veux contacter ce gars. Et on a parlé, on a passé une journée ici chez Transforma. On a échangé nos passions et on s'est rendu compte qu'on était vraiment aussi fous l'un que l'autre. Tu es folle, je suis fou. Et ça, c'est bien. <rire> yeah, yeah, you immediately told me that... What you do is also not just podcasting or whatever you do has also a social side, social justice or fighting for the environment. There needs to be something good coming from that in everything you do. I loved that. Merci. On fait aussi une bataille pour l'inclusion, pour lutter contre le racisme. Et ça, pour moi, c'est très important. Et cette année, en 2023, on va mettre un gros focus sur cet aspect-là. Tu es parti en Italie, je te suis sur les réseaux sociaux, je vois ta maison, tout ce que tu fais, le recul que tu as pris pour te reconcentrer sur, sur toi, sur ta vie. Et tu as l'idée d'écrire un livre. De quoi il parle ton livre 
Um, so, first of all, uh, the book is available in three languages, and unfortunately, French is not one of these not yet. yet. Not, not yet. Not yet, because it's definitely in my plans. The three languages are Italian, English, and Dutch. Nederlands. Nederlands, yeah. And... You speak Nederlands. Ah, yeah, yeah, I'm a bitch. Yeah. A bitch. Je me debrouille. And the title in Dutch is In het hart van Tusha, In the heart of Tusha, or Nel cuore della Tusha. And Tusha is a place in Italy. It's not a town and it's not a province and it's not a region. It's like a territory between Florence and Rome, central Italy. And it's beautiful. In fact, many people, even in your audience, may know it already because there's lots of tourism from Belgium, from the Netherlands, from France. There in the summer, there's Lake Bolsena, Viterbo, and there's Civita di Bagnoregio. There's lots of places that your audience may be familiar with. And I just happened to settle down there. That would be an interesting story in and of itself, how I ended up there. But I'm not from there. I'm Italian, but I come from a completely different place in Italy. From where? From the northeast on the border with Slovenia. That's why you speak Slovenian. I do. Govorim slovensko tudi. Near Trieste. That's a city someone may have heard of. And now I live, you could say, close to Rome somehow. In the nature, in the wild. It's beautiful. So this Tusha is basically this uh, land in Italy very green with small villages the main city there is viterbo viterbo but what's beautiful about tusha is the nature and the small villages medieval all of etruscan origin and i bought a little house in one of these villages there il est juste magique ta maison est super belle quoi et après avoir voyagé pour des années nomade digital tu t'es posé au numérique comme on dit oui, en français oui 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 i found some stability there, which was good for a change. And um, I gave myself the time to live some experiences, to live, to calm down, to slow down. Slow life. To slow down. And so slow life also? Yes. It's, no, I wouldn't call it slow life. It's just less things. But the ones that you do, the things that you think, the people that you see, it's not slow. It's quality. Yeah. It's quality. And I allowed myself the time to do that, although I, I have to say COVID really forced me to make a decision. What do I want to do? Because I was very close. I was without a job at that time. And so I decided to make this change and give myself this time to, yeah, what can I say? Wonder what to do with the rest of my life. And I have, of course, as you do when you move to a new place, I started meeting some people, not too many because, you know, the COVID really slowed many things down. There was still a curfew, so you couldn't really go to many places. But I started meeting new friends and it takes one year to two years to really make yourself a new network of people when you deménage to a new place. And now I have great friends there, I'm very happy to say. And I have lived experiences knowing the land, this beautiful place. So it's just a lot of life has happened. And eventually I wrote and I got inspiration from these experiences to write the story that is in the book, In the Heart of Tusha. Okay. If you saw the cover of the book, there is a heart on the cover and the heart, it's a special heart-shaped image. It's a tattoo. So there is, it's a tattoo. Mais c'est aussi une silhouette de femme. Exactement, parce que le tatouage se trouve sur le dos de la femme. Et c'est toi. Qui sait? <rire> Qui mystère. sait? Mystère. On laisse le mystère. 
mystère. Mais quel est l'objectif Il n'y avait pas d'objectif au début où tu avais un objectif en écrivant ce livre. livre oui. Non, non, pas du tout. C'est que. laissé l'inspiration venir. I started writing last year systematically in a certain way to help me cope with certain things. My mind was going too fast, and a friend of mine told me, like many people will tell you, you know, that writing helps. But it wasn't how I wrote was not my journal and not like to just let emotions out. Or maybe you're angry with someone and you write to them a letter. It wasn't this. It was more like not knowing what happens in the future and having a thousand different scenarios in your mind that flicker all the time fast and you're a bit anxious because what will happen this person will do this what if this job comes back this way you have too many possibilities open and this friend told me write those scenarios down sit down and you know I know I don't want to go into specifics not to waste time but basically when I write down I start writing about something that is already there in my head actually burning to come out and the moment you try to tell something that is even real and happened to you but in the form of un conte To raconte ça, it's already an histoire, right? It's already a story. And so I sat down one day in particular and I started writing about certain experiences, but in a creative way. So precisely, mm, there is an inspiration from true facts, but I just let my mind travel. And I wrote what I felt, what I dreamt, what I hoped, what I feared. And the result is not reality, but I believe... It's something very authentic. Everybody could do the same exercise. And it's interesting, you learn about yourself as you do it. Quand tu as fait cet exercice, tu t'es pas inquiété de dire, mais il n'y a pas de sens, il n'y a pas de direction que je vois tout de suite. Est-ce que ça va être cohérent? Est-ce que les gens vont comprendre? Tu t'es posé des questions pour dire, oui, qu'est-ce que je fais là? Est-ce que je vais vraiment faire un livre? Tu savais déjà que tu allais faire un livre ou c'est juste encore? Non, non, du tout. D'accord. Non, non. I was writing, I was writing for myself, premièrement. And um, I wasn't worried about how it was coming uh, out, if there was coherence or anything, because what I was writing was so urgent. I just knew what I wanted to write. I never stopped and wondered, you know, maybe the main character, le héros, maintenant, doit prendre une décision. What could he do? Right. I wonder, like I'm making up a story. No, I always knew I felt it and I wrote it the way I felt it. And um, at the end of it, well, there is a fil rouge, qui sont des photos, for each chapter. There is a reference to something visual, because it's a picture that the person that talks in the book took during the summer that she tells. It's as if the book were written at the end of the summer and she remembers, right? And um, so there's this visual cue. And when you're done with it, when I was done with it, when, and I wrote it like chronologically, I started from chapter one, as one should. When I was done with it, I put it all together, and that's when I realized that I had written a lot. Not too much, because it's a thin book. Okay, It's not a thick book. It's But not. it was a story, finally, or not. And then by putting all the chapters together, mm -hmm. I realized that there was a trajectory. There was an evolution. There was a development of the thoughts, of the characters, of the relationship of the two main characters. C'est ton cerveau qui a guidé, qui a fait l'histoire, en fait, inconsciemment. Well, 
There are some things in the book that I could spend hours explaining, but I never took the time to over-explain something in the book. I just say something. I think it makes sense. People tell me this is their feedback. It's as if in a few sentences I hinted, I pointed towards something that's more deep and complex, but I did it with uh, la légèreté. In passing, la légèreté est très importante. Dans la vie et dans le tout. Et c'est toi, c'est ton caractère. And so I believe that even if some things that happen in the book may be intense, if not heavy, there is this overall lightness about it. That's why at the end of the story, the let's say that the relationship between these two people doesn't seem to go very well anymore, but the main character, which is the female, which is the narrator, she speaks in first person, she thinks about a little bit of the melancholy of the fact that the story may be behind their backs now. There's not much future, but look at how much I have gained. Look at how much I have learned. Look how richer I am now than before meeting this person. And there is a correspondence entre le territoire et comme le plan de territoire, like a map that they expand every time they visit a new place because this man takes her out. This is what he does. She was a bit probably depressive when she was at home and he takes her out. She said, come on, let's go. Let's go here. Let's go there. And each chapter is called like a different place in Tusha. So with the book, you discovered the territory a little bit, but it's as if she also expanded the knowledge of herself because there is also, I mean, love and passion in the book. You live these things in the flesh, no? C'est carnal. And at the end, precisely, there is this tattoo. It's the last chapter. It's called Le Tatouage. And she writes on her body like if it was a map, you know, the essence. C'est la symbolique. Vraiment, oui. Est-ce que tu penses que si on lit ton livre, on va déceler, trouver entre les mots, entre les phrases, un peu de notion de développement personnel? Parce que quand tu racontes ton histoire... Very much. J'ai l'impression que c'est un développement personnel que tu retransmets. A hundred percent. C'est pour ça que, in the beginning, I resisted... Well, everybody asks you, what is your book about? What is your book about? That's a horrible <laughs> question. question. <laughs> oh, she's so hard. What is my book about? Ah, read it. I mean, no, that's a rude answer, but it comes from a place of truly not knowing what to say. And maybe, I've, of course, it's not like a thriller. There are no murders in it. So you would say, what, it's a love story, you know? But to call it a love story would give the wrong impression to people. Now I'm okay with saying that. I'm not saying, no, it's not. It is, but it's even more than a love story. It's the, the sacred encounter avec l'autre, with the other one, that makes you grow, that makes you richer. In fact, now I'm traveling a little bit promoting the book, and I presented sometimes yeah, with... Yeah, in Belgium, with different, en, en exactly. Belgique, en Flandre, naturellement. Uh, that's why je suis là. Je vais à Gand. I recently presented the book where a priest was a moderator. That's interesting, right? A priest. What does a priest have to do with this book? But he read it. He is a cool priest, of course, uh, back in Italy. And he picked up on these spiritual aspects of the feeling. That's why I reached out and okay. I said, you know, in this presentation, because I like every presentation to be a bit different. In this one, I would like to highlight the spiritual aspects of the sentiments expressed in the book. Ce qui fait partie aussi du développement personnel et que trop de gens oublient. On met le self-développement, on met l'intellectuel, mais on oublie le spirituel et qu'on croit ou pas dans un dieu ou pas, 
le spirituel, c'est pas croire en forcément en un dieu, c'est tout le temps non. le spirituel est et partout. C'est où le sacré Voilà. C'est où And now that you mention it, we talk a lot about self-development, self-growth. But now that you mention it actually, I think doesn't it always have sort of a meaning of being more productive, more efficient at the end And no, it's not that. Et c'est aussi ça que les gens pensent quand on parle de développement personnel, c'est comment devenir meilleur. De comment devenir meilleur. Oui. Être soi-même, c'est un développement personnel. Yeah, and of course, it like you want to be the best version of yourself. But when we use these words in this society, there is this meaning of optimization. But what is the definition of the best version of yourself? Huh, well, it could be many. It's a long discussion. But bottom line, if I may have to be short. The way I live my life, uh, banal as it may seem, is just to be fair and kind. So simple. To do the right things like you do, Michel, with your work. How you embed your social causes and your values in your work. That Don't do things just because you do them or you do them for someone else. I know it's a privilege for many people, but you can want to do it and you always have a chance to make a little difference. Here and there. And so the values expressed in the book are the love for life. It's a, this book, I could also say, it's a celebration of life. And I love that because it's not easy. It's not been easy during the pandemic. I am just like you. I'm all smiles and energetic. That doesn't mean it's all good and easy all the time. And I was indeed in not the best of places when the experiences that inspired the book started happening. So I have... Uh, come back to life, if I may say. And it's a huge thing. It's huge. And sometimes you do that, sometimes on your own, you know, but nobody saves themselves by themselves. It's either someone or a place, could be. In my case, it was both. It was Tusha and it was someone. And um, so the love for life, a celebration of life, and this understanding that Even when you, when, you, when you meet someone, and I'm really not just talking about someone then you fall in love with and is your boyfriend for a while, every person brings something into your life and you have to be ready to trust and to be open because you will be richer at the end without having a plan on how it should go in the future, how it should be. And even if it doesn't end well, gee, if you look back, you will see how much you've gained. What else are you going to do in this life otherwise? Non, there's so much life in the book. Quand tu as décidé d'écrire le livre, tu as dû te poser la question j'ai lâché mes mots, j'ai lâché mon mental dans ces papiers, mais j'ai aussi lâché ma fragilité. Est-ce que je suis prêt à exposer ma fragilité dans un livre Est-ce que c'est aussi ça Yeah, it was scary in the beginning when I decided to publish it. C'était difficile de décider de passer ce cap Oui. Because I didn't even cross my mind that I would publish it, but what I have done is to give it to some friends. Look, I wrote this. Read it. Look, I've done this. Look. And I'm talking about 50 people altogether, so not four or five people, about 50 people all around the world. Reason why, the first thing I have done after finishing the book, which I wrote in Italian first, yeah. is to translate it to English. So I gave this story to many people friends in Italy and abroad, and many of them said, why don't you publish it? And I was like, come on, you know, like, <laughs> a strange ah, idea. Voilà. On I wasn't... Est venue. <laughs> and then so many of them were actually saying, why not? Why not? And at some point it clicked in my head and I thought, well, they are right. Like, why not? 
why should I decide that it's not worth it, it's not good enough? And so I decided to give it a shot. On est sévère avec soi, maman? No, oh, oui, 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 oui. <laughs> But thank God, you know, if I wrote this and thought it's the best thing ever and I'm such a good writer, that would be wrong. So it's only fair. It's only fair. Does the world need a new book? Maybe not. So it's good to be. I'm not even saying humble, just to contain yourself. It's good. And then you have your friends who love you to tell you, come on, come on, do it. <laughs> And so I sent this book, I'm also happy to say, to nine publishers, not the big ones, you know, I didn't even try that route. I just wrote to nine medium-sized publishers in Italy. And within a week... Four of them, so un, deux, trois, quatre. Réagissent et disent, OK, on veut. Wrote and they said, yes. And I said, wow. I said, what? They say that it's so hard to even find one and that some authors spend years sending their manuscript around. And to me, it just happened like that. So I was super happy and I started making this into my next creative project. I had an idea for the cover. I wanted to do the audiobook. I wanted, now I'm, you know, traveling and talking about it. It's just ongoing source of creativity. It's an experience in and of itself. And that's how the publication happened. And, you know, I gave the text to my friends almost no problem. I knew it was authentic, but they know me and etc. And then when I knew that it was going to be public... Ouh. Stress. Yeah. <rire> Est-ce que tu as reçu des gens que tu mets dans le public, donc qui ne sont pas des amis, déjà des feedbacks de gens qui ont lu le livre Yes, but only from readers. I Quel était le feedback Well, very touching. Very touching. I haven't had professional reviews yet. And I haven't really had negative reviews, but I don't fool myself into thinking that there are no flaws in the book. In fact... I would kind of be curious about something that people did not like in the book, but it's very good that someone liked something in the book. And what someone said that it's a very feminine point of view and that many women will recognize themselves in the fragility, or actually the key word is vulnerability of this person. Or a friend of mine the other day showed me how much she highlighted in all the sentences because then I wrote something from my perspective, but when people read They attach their story to the words. C'est ça la magie de la littérature qu'on oublie beaucoup. Mais vraiment. On diffère des ponts en fait. But it's also the flaw of communication, maybe sometimes, because I wrote something and I meant something, and I meant A, and another person reads and she thinks B. She thought about something related to her husband, etc. And I said, great. And then she tells you her story. You say, wow, you know, I am stimulating this story. And emotions. Someone said. You know, she cried because she resonated so much with the, again, vulnerability of this character. And uh, a recurring comment is that it's a compelling read. Like, you cannot put it down. Which I like. It's a very nice comment. That they must go places and they just want to read one more page and, or one more page just to see what happens. And another comment that I truly loved about my writing was that sometimes in the story... You can tell a little bit what's going to happen next, like you know where it's going, but you still want to read it for how I'm going to say it, which means that it's also not just what I say, but how I say it, that it's unique or personal, you know, my perspective. The same story told by someone else, it's a different story, right? So, and I, I <laughs> of course, I like this book. I'm proud of it. And the feedback so far has been very genuine. Like, nobody has said, my God, 
praising the skills as a writer. Oh my God, the plot, it's so well constructed. It's always about touching the emotions. And the reason why I'm trying to promote the book is not sales. In fact, yeah, I don't know who makes money out of this. Even the publisher, I think, kind of breaks even or little more than that. This is not big business. Ce qui m'intéresse, it's that the story circulates, that it just goes around. It's the spirit of it. It's hard to explain. It's just like when, of course, when I was doing my podcast, Technoculture, why did I want people to listen? That was also not a profitable business. But you want people to listen because you did it honestly. You believed in what you've done. You think you spread a good message. And you don't want to impose it, but you offer it. So you want to make it visible. Then who will want to listen? They will. This is how I've always done podcasting. Because I don't do it for a company. I don't do it to sell something. So I don't really have objectives in terms of reaching that audience or having increase in sales as a byproduct of having the podcast. C'est ce que toi et moi, on aime dans le podcast. C'est que ce n'est pas un but de vendre. Le podcast, c'est gratuit. C'est du don de soi. C'est du don de son temps. C'est partagé et c'est démocratique. Et il n'y a pas d'intérêt lobby, de politique. Il n'y a rien derrière. Even anarchic. Voilà, ça c'est le podcast natif et ça c'est ce que toi et moi on aime. Exactement. Et now podcasting is so popular because it's been around for many years that you know 100% it's being normalized, it's been professionalized. When Énormément. You, when you start a new podcast, you have to ask yourself how am I going to be competitive? It's not as naive and simple as it used to be, but I loved it at that time and I try to keep doing it like like this. There is no how to that's fixed. There are skills to know. But I don't like the how to do a podcast, like there are 10 steps because they're going to tell you, know your audience, do this, do that. Um, when I teach podcasting, I see it in the eyes of the students in the room that they look at me for me to tell them how to do it, including the format, for example, how long it should be, how should I build the structure of the episode. And I really actually stimulate them to think, how would you do it? Sit down and ask yourself, If I could do it the way I want, this is what we never ask anymore, doing anything in this society. You know, sit down and ask yourself, if I could... On fait la même chose, moi je casse l'ambiance. Ils viennent avec l'attente de how to, et moi je leur dis, non, d'abord on va réfléchir. Quel est l'objectif Project management. Tu vas approcher comment Et puis, euh, c'est quoi le but Qu'est-ce que tu cherches Qu'est-ce que tu veux pour toi Et puis, pour les autres Et après seulement, on commence. Oh oui, when people contact me to make a new podcast... They think that it can be out in a month or so. Now, it's not impossible, but there's just an amount of work that goes into preparing the launch of the first episode that is huge. Then it decreases a lot, but there's this huge, you know, spike of work in the beginning that is like what you say. It's what is behind. It's the purpose, the why all of these questions. Le why est le plus important, en fait. You have to like your own podcast or you're not going to put much time into it. So you have to like it. So don't be a good boy, good girl and say, how should I do it? And then comply like an, it's an exercise. Do if I were free and I could do it the way I want. Mon association se bat pour ça parce que j'ai lu dans un article qu'il y avait 60% des gens qui font des podcasts qui s'arrêtent au bout de six mois découragés parce que ça prend trop de temps et ça ne leur apporte pas ce qu'ils espéraient. Et ça, c'est aussi parce qu'en parallèle, à ce moment où ça se passe, il y a plein de gens qui proposent « Mets ton podcast en 7 jours sur Internet 
Mais ce n'est pas ça le but. Or you be the star of your podcast and oui. outsource to us all the work, pay us. And we're going to do your setup, your editing, your music, your everything. Because it's a lot of work. And it is. But then you're not the star. Actually, the, your product is just out of your hands. I don't know. I do my own editing still. I like to have full control. Not because I don't trust anyone else. Besides, I don't really have the budget. But when I do the editing, I know I'm still creating. So my podcast will have my imprint And I'm responsible for all of it. If someone says, I didn't like that, or why did you do it like that? I'm responsible. I have to have a question for that. So, yeah, um, why was I saying this? For la, the freedom. I don't know. You know what? We are so not used to thinking in creative terms anymore, in genuinely creative terms, that it takes a moment when to shift, to go into the headspace, to actually sit down and say, true, I mean, if I wanted to do it the way I want, how would I do it? You don't know how to answer that because our life normally, day in, day out, is I need to do this and protocols, protocols. This is how I should do it. I really believe that it's a little bit the spirit of our times with technology and automation. It comes with that, right? It's not all bad. It's just what's happening right now in the world. And you have to sit down and break free from that and say, huh, if I could do it the way I want, how would I like it? You know? Tu sais, ce que j'aime bien, c'est qu'en fait, tu as dit le mot magique, tu as dit « freedom », la liberté. Et en fait, tu as la liberté quand tu as écrit ton livre et tu as la liberté quand tu fais tes podcasts. Et c'est le pont que je voulais faire entre les deux. On va revenir à ton livre. Est-ce que ça t'a donné maintenant, peu importe si tu as déjà vendu beaucoup, pas de livre, on a compris que ce n'est pas l'importance pour toi, l'important, c'est le partager. Oui. Et même si ce n'est pas encore atteint l'objectif actuel, est-ce que ça te donne déjà envie de, de dire « je vais refaire une aventure écriture » Aha, I wrote short stories, not really like novel-sized stories, but I, I keep in practice because it's also a craft. So I try to do it more consciously. I try to do it regularly. I try to do it well. So I'm in training, if you want. I wrote some short stories. I submitted them to some contests that I found online that actually stimulate me to write because they give you a theme and a maximum number of words or so. And so it's like a creative exercise. And I said, huh, what do I have to say about that? And I wrote and I actually won one. I got two of my stories published. You don't really win the competition. That's a competition for a selection to be published. So many people end up in this book together with short stories. I have two published and uh, I won a contest. I was so surprised because I never win anything. I was looking... You know, they sent the PDF with all the names and I was scrolling through by saying, oh, gee, you know, oof, another rejection. Before it was like, as a researcher, we regret to inform you that your paper is not worth publishing. <laughs> you know, and I was looking for my name, like, thank you for sending us your work. But for, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. And then there's my name and it's on top. And I say, on top of the losers? What? I, I, I had to read three times. <laughs> Because I never win anything. And I was like, what? So I won. I won. <laughs> in two weeks, when I go back to Italy, I'm going to travel to this town in the south of Italy, Cosenza, to get the prize. There will be a small ceremony. And of course I'm going, because even if you, you just win like, like an object, it's symbolic. But I really want to go there because I just, you know, you see it in my eyes, I see it in yours. I just have to sit there in this room with other people and someone is going to call my name up on stage for something I wrote. Oh, what a thrill. It's your creation. 
Yeah, because, you know, this is something I've never said before, at least publicly, but being an author was my very first wish in this life, like when I was four years old. Then music came in. We mentioned music, music background. I studied at university, but my first love was literature. In fact, I tried to write my first novel at six years old. As soon as I mastered writing, and it was a complete failure of public and critic. Il fallait juste changer d'approche, en fait. Et le Covid a aidé. J'ai une question par rapport à ça. Tu as dit, j'ai écrit le livre pendant le Covid aussi. Eh oui, oui. Ça veut dire, il y a des passages où tu vas laisser parler ton cœur et ta tête sur qu'est-ce que tu penses de la crise ou comment tu l'as vécu. On ressent ça dans le livre où tu as préféré l'éviter Oh non, le Covid est mentionné parce que nous avons nos masques avec nous-mêmes. Because I mentioned that a place that the two protagonists visit, she had seen that place before and it was completely empty because it was a year earlier in the middle of the pandemic. So the pandemic appears, it's mentioned in the book, but there would be no reason at all for me to share thoughts about that. It's just in the background, so to speak. But it's definitely mentioned. Probably it's more in the spirit of the book than I imagine, because indeed it really decreased the possibilities for social interaction. And the fact that these two people meet is a bit more special than normal, than usual. Oui, puis la crise a influencé le moral de tout le monde. Je pense qu'il y avait quand même un peu de pessimisme qui s'est installé dans la tête de tout le monde dans cette it's crise. It's hard. Maybe harder than I even imagined for myself, because some people during the pandemic, they were lamenting having a hard time, and I didn't feel it. I thought, you know, I'm, it doesn't sound like it, but I'm an introvert. I like the time to myself. I love to read. So to be forced to stay at home and not travel for a while was a blessing. So I enjoyed, you know, the positives that I found in that time. But I have to confess, afterwards, looking back, hmm, maybe, yeah, it was a bit hard. For me too. On arrive tout doucement à la fin de cette interview et j'ai envie de te demander, pour conclure ce podcast, tu as nos auditeurs qui t'écoutent. Qu'est-ce que tu as envie de leur dire Look, I hope they are all living great lives. I don't have anything to sell. I am something. When everybody was asking me, why did you leave Belgium or the United States or why did you settle there I knew inside of me that I was looking to change my life, like slowing down, reading. There was something, you know, but I was following intuitions. I didn't have a plan. It's just every step, you just see the next step. And I trust the process. I know it's going somewhere, but I don't have answers to those who ask me. And one day, I came up with these words that I kind of liked. I thought, let your life be the answer. You don't have to explain Not because you don't own people's explanations. It's not rude like that. Be your life, be the answer. Meaning, embody your values. Act your values out. Just behave what you say. You know, like that. So, if I was traveling all over the place and doing great, and now two years later, fast forward, long story short, I wrote a book, and I am a different person. I think that I don't have to explain. If people know me, they will see the change. And if they like it, they take something away from my experience. And if they don't, they don't. So I have a hard time you know, to give a take-home message to your audience because I don't preach. I just live my truth. And I do hope that they do the same because life is worthwhile. Merci pour la confiance que tu m'as donnée. J'aimerais avant qu'on se quitte que tu donnes l'adresse d'un site internet où on peut trouver des informations, ce que tu fais, ce que tu dis. Bon, il y a Technoculture, évidemment. Technoculture, podcast. So the book has a website. It's also on Facebook as a page. I'm on social media. I would say that the best thing is really to Google my name 
or book or tusha or research or podcast, whichever thing, because I have quite a presence online with these different hats as a researcher, as a podcaster. On mettra quelques liens dans l'article. Absolutely, that helps. But bottom line, truly the best way to find me is Googling my name. And on the book website, you also have a Google interactive map with all the places that are mentioned. Never know in life, maybe you want to come and visit. And do reach out, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm reachable. I'm... Il est sur Amazon, le livre aussi. It's on Amazon and um, several websites in Italian, English and Dutch. The English and Dutch has just been printed. They are also available as e-book with pictures in them. But they're so recent, like literally before I left last week from Italy, so they may not be available online like in the stores. But they exist, and that's why I say just reach out. We have small numbers. I'm a small author, you know what I mean? So don't be afraid to really reach out because I will go to the post office and send the book. It's just how it is. And if you're a big distributor and you're listening to you this podcast, <laughs> get in touch and we're going to... Make it big. Merci beaucoup. Thank you. Grazie mille. Shukran. Spasiba. Saul. <laughs> ah, dankuwel meneer voor uw tijd. En tot binnenkort. Succes met uw podcast. Yeah. Merci. Merci d'être mon ami. Merci pour ton support. Toujours. C'est réciproque. À bientôt. <laughs> Ciao. Ciao.